Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvroski. On this week's episode, it's Susan Hobson and I talking all about burnout, mental health in the workplace, workplace bullying, and why you need to prioritize your employees' mental health upstream of when it becomes a problem. This is an incredible episode, and just to kick it off for you, 92% of C-level executives were surveyed, and they said if the current challenges in hiring and quit rates continue, they won't achieve their 2022 goals, as well as 50% of people quit their jobs in 2021 because of mental health purposes. So those two statistics come together and say we have a massive problem with mental health in the workplace that needs to be addressed, and leaders have to step up to address it. This is a great discussion. As always, please subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform and head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com for any leadership development, high-performance coaching, keynote speaking, DEI, talent optimization, and psychological safety consulting and or services. Head on over there. Everybody, I really appreciate you spending time with us. And here's the discussion with Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvarowski. We are back in the Leadership Launchpad Project. Susan, how are you? I am in shock. I can't believe I'm looking at a snowstorm outside my window right now. It's freaking <laughs> April. What is happening here? Other yeah. than that, I'm just I'm just great. How about you? Yeah, it's April. We're we're actually pretty decently warm out here in Edmonton, so it, it hasn't been too bad. Um, yeah, it's been we've been rolling full steam. So we, you know, that's how the game goes, right? That's it. We got to stay warm on the inside over here. That's that's what we're we're focused on today. We are warm inside. We're so fired up. We're we're rolling out all this programming this week, right? With our teams and doing all these deep dives and the it might be cold outside, but the energy's hot in the locker room. <laughs> so as always, we start with a quote on this show. And I got one from another Buddhist teacher, and he says, people suffer because they are caught in their views. As soon as we release those views, we are free and we don't suffer anymore. And the Buddhists teach this lesson about non-attachment. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's really all about is... It's about letting go of not only things that are happening, but your views about those things that are happening. Uh -huh. And that is an incredible tip. It's, it's, harder, it's easier to say than it is to do, but it's an incredible tip for folks out there is in this moment, you're either fighting what is happening or you've accepted it. Uh -huh. And 
really a lot of things are neither good nor bad unless we take a slanted view at them. Mm-hmm. And so choose wisely. And by choosing wisely, you'll choose how you feel and you'll choose your future. Mm-hmm. That's why we say mindset is everything, right? Because, yeah, most people don't realize that their perspective is a choice. Their perspective on the suffering can be a choice, right? And it's a choice that they ultimately are in control of. And how empowering is that for somebody who is stuck in the mud, right? Emotionally or psychologically. And that is the one of the hardest things, right? Is the folks who suffer, and I've been there, right? Is mm-hmm. you you really, your perspective closes and mm-hmm. it's hard to see the other side of it or a different side of it. Mm-hmm. And if you can learn to open up that perspective and change the perspective that you have or choose it to be the one that supports you the best, mm-hmm. then it obviously changes how you feel and then changes how you behave in that moment. And so mm-hmm. that's where we're going today. So Susan, we got some new research we want to cover today. And so the first one I want to start off with is, you know, we've been hearing a lot of folks, they're heading back to the office and their energy levels, their mood, all these things are kind of up and jumbled. And I got some research out here. And so the first one says 92% of C-level leaders admit their company will not meet their 2022 goals if quit rates and hiring challenges continue. The second or the flip side to this one is half of the employees who quit their job in 2021 quit for mental health reasons. Wow. Let that hang. Half? Wow. 50%, y'all. And the, to go along with that survey, this is from HR Digest, um, 84% of those employees reported at least one workplace factor that negatively impacted their mental health. And so if we string this story together is the burnout, the stress, the anxiety, and sometimes, you know, depression that goes with some of these, these are contributing to people quitting their jobs or underperforming at their jobs, and then ultimately companies missing their 2022 goals. What are you seeing out there in the trenches? Well, it's funny you ask, because this is something that I've been calibrating all week with my clients. You know, a lot of uh, my clients are leading the charge in terms of transitioning some of their people back to the office. And so, yeah, I've been calibrating a lot of overwhelmed emotions, right? I've been calibrating, you know, the fact that I don't think a lot of these leaders were anticipating just what that transition was going to mean for people's mental health, right? I don't think a lot of us are aware of the difference, right, in terms of what we've been doing here in sort of this 2D experience, right, on the Zoom screen for the last two years. Um, Yeah, in contrast to being in a room full of people, 
right? HD 3D full <laughs> surround sound. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that. Uh, I'm. I just think that's so fascinating to me. Right? Is like that leaders still would not be anticipating that, which tells us what. It's a lack of understanding, and it and it's also like it's not always our fault, right? And and like we went to a comedy show last week, and it was the first time we've basically done any. I suppose major event in in at least at least a few months, and it felt weird. Uh-huh. And that was the thing is like you're not expecting like two years ago we used to go I don't know a few times a year and it wasn't a big deal, but then the I suppose the last two years have really changed how you feel and you're like should we be wearing masks should we not should. Like there's people sitting in the table next to us. <laughs> like, is this safe? Is it not safe? And it like, Bingo. because of the, yeah, just because of the way our mindset and our beliefs have shifted or our perspective shifted, it's changed our experience from something that was pretty normal, you know, two, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm seeing too, right? Is the fact that um, yeah, we kind of we kind of lost touch with how intense that experience can be, right? Being out in public. I also think, based on what you just said, there is there's an undercurrent of uncertainty that's running through all of our subconscious minds, right? Um, yeah, you said safety. Is this safe? Like we don't have masks on now. Is this safe? I mean, we've been talking about that as a theme throughout the last two years of the disruption, right? Is that uncertainty is what triggers the amygdala into that fight or flight response. So that is, that's stressful. That's stressful. So let's talk about some tips that we have for our leaders if they find that they are really resonating with this, right? If they're noticing either in themselves or in their people, on their teams, if they're noticing that people look super duper overwhelmed, you know, this is something that we are huge, huge proponents of and advocates for. It always starts with self awareness, right, buddy? Self-awareness is the conduit. That's the entry point, right? In terms of being able to actually get behind those gates and yeah, be able to regulate that stress response, right? Be able to to actually show up in self-supportive ways in terms of this perspective thing that we're riffing on, How about you? What are some of those tips that you would like to throw out to our peeps? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously when we talk about self-awareness, it's incredibly important and emotional awareness is also incredibly important. And a lot of folks out there and a lot of my leaders there, we're still working on that aspect and it's not anyone's fault. That's the first thing, right? Some of Mm -hmm. us as children our parents were not <laughs> emotional people. And so we didn't develop the skill set of not only feeling and understanding what we're feeling, but also processing the feeling instead of just shutting it out. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of research 
that's out there about processing feelings and basically letting them out of your body instead mm -hmm. of storing them and the impact on stress and how you feel and, you know, even physical health that, you know, we can talk about. The other thing is, is I was, I saw this book called Insight and it's mm -hmm. the subtitle is why we're not as self-aware as we think and how seeing ourselves clearly help us succeed at work and in life. And it's by Dr. Tasha Yurik. And she's done a lot of research around self-awareness. And similar to driving and similar to intelligence, everybody thinks they're self-aware. So in her research, 95% of people think they're self-aware, but only 10 to 15% truly are. And, you know, it's, <laughs> wow. it's the driving thing. Everyone thinks they're above average driver. Everyone thinks they're smarter than average. And yet mm -hmm. average is basically average for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, and so she, she goes on to say that there's two types of self-awareness. There's internal self-awareness, which is an inward understanding of your values, passions, and aspirations. Mm-hmm. And there's external self-awareness, which is about understanding yourself from the outside in. So mm -hmm. knowing how other people see you. Mm -hmm. There can be a disconnect between external and internal self-awareness. There's no, her research shows there's no actual correlation between people who are externally or internally self-aware. They're, they're just basically two different data points that you need to understand in yourself. And we would, we would say that with our crowd of high achievers, right, that that probably leans more in the second category than the first, right? Because they, for maladaptive reasons, are hyper-calibrating how other people are perceiving them, right? It's like, that's the maladaptive supercompensation strategy for safety in the psyche of or the mindset of a high achiever, right? And boy, oh boy, does that eat up a lot of energy. Boy, oh boy, does that contribute to the burnout. And that's the that's the other side of it, right? Is as we increase our emotional awareness and our internal self-awareness, we're going to find areas in our life that we need to pivot and change. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And it may be stressful in the moment today to do that. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, it's going to de-stress you and feel, feel much, <laughs> much, much better. And the other side of it that I just want to mention, so I was looking at uh, CAMH. So they have some data around, obviously, mental health in Canada. And it kind of flows off of what we were talking about at the beginning. But Canada's mental health is costing the economy about $50 billion per year. And for... The stress, um, stress affects 72% of employees 
and those employees want their employers to help them. And 500,000 workers stay away from their jobs each week due to mental health reasons. Mm -hmm. So these are incredibly high. But also what they've mentioned is that if employers have mental health programs and they promote the culture of mental health and illness prevention, there is a positive return on investment on those programs. So less people are taking disability, less people are on stress leave, less people are missing days of work or are showing up but not actually doing anything, which is presenteeism. Um, But these programs can be vastly helpful as upstream of people who develop clinical issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is the the upstream strategy, right? In terms of how you protect the sustainability of, you know, your mission of your, your team. That's, that's everything that we are screaming from the rooftops right now, right? Is like, it is 10 times harder folks to deal with these situations once that brick wall occurs. And so I think that this is massively game-changing opportunity. The stats bear it out. This is real. I don't know how we could expect it not to be, especially coming off of the last two years, which have been traumatic. Let's be honest. We have all been through trauma and no, we are not recovered yet from this. And so once you add a little bit of that extra pressure, right, into the nervous system, into that that concoction of adrenaline and cortisol and everything that's been naturally just accruing in our bodies over the last two years, it's the rain barrel effect, right? It's enough for that to be a tipping point. But inversely, it can obviously be a competitive advantage, It just depends on the level of awareness that that leader driving those decisions about how to support their people or not support their people in this way is concerned. Absolutely. Like we've seen it, right? So even at the beginning, 92% of companies are going to miss their 2022 goals and a large percentage, at least 50% of that turnover is mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. And for folks, mental health is an incredible risk to your business. Mm-hmm. It's the risk of turnover where you're spending anywhere from 30 to 400% of someone's salary to replace them. Mm-hmm. It's a risk in terms of reputation. How are people going to feel when you're the people who are leaving or writing on Glassdoor. Glassdoor. I remember Mike Zanny saying that. Right? Yeah. Like th- th- there was a study out of MIT Sloan, and it's been really popular lately. And it, we talked about it, I think, in November, where it said toxic company culture is 10 times more likely for people to leave than compensation. Wow. And they got that result by analyzing over 34 million Glassdoor reviews. Mm-hmm. And so how does that feel if someone leaves and is like the boss, my mental health was horrible, the toxic culture was bad, like all these things, right? Like you can't afford that as a business. Mm-hmm. And even what we've seen with better.com, which is your customers 
aren't going to put up with that either. Mm -mm. No, because it's a violation to like their basic human rights, right? I mean, that is not going to be good for business reputationally. So we got to, obviously we got to move that, right? Folks, you have to think about your people's mental health. You have to be checking in as a leader. You have to open space and hear them and see them and be with them. And then you have to also understand the increased demands of either returning to the office, the uncertainty of going back and forth and changing and all of those stresses in life and even you know outside of work where children are heading back to school or they're not or they're this or they're that or the gym's open or not or mm-hmm. like there's so much in the air mm-hmm. that we need to just be aware as leaders and really keep our ear to to the pulse of our of our people out out there Yeah. Awareness comes before intelligence, folks. You can't solve what you don't first acknowledge. And I know it, I know it can be painful if this is not something that you're accustomed to doing, but please contrast that with the pain of everything that you just described. Like, you know, these people, I know we talked to to one of our leaders who said she was seeing over 53% attrition in the last six months. And so if you're one of those businesses, right, that's experiencing such high levels of attrition and the people are walking out the door, you don't have any choice but to be aware right now. I mean, yes, it's going to be painful for you to have to make changes in terms of what you're prioritizing, you know, um, from a people resources perspective, but it's short-term pain for that long-term gain. If you want to stay in this game, you kind of got to just embrace it like us athletes do in the gym, right? (laughs) And the game has changed. And that's where a lot of the studies around Gen Z and what they're looking for, and even Mm -hmm. what millennials, we, and, you know, other folks are looking for in this time now and how the pandemic has changed what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Support on mental health, support and a larger mission and companies Mm -hmm. that are caring about their community and living their values are has drastically changed Mm -hmm. and so as an employer you know instituting programs on burnout on mental health on helping people see what their values are and live in those ways and you know be leaders in their communities and all the 2.0 leadership strategies we talk about mm-hmm. on this show is more important than ever for your future as a business. Mm-hmm. The game has changed and therefore so has the playbook folks, especially for our leaders, because at the end of the day, it's our leaders who have to have that awareness the most, right? I mean, they're the ones that are going to be able to make those critical decisions in terms of how they're going to be able to adapt, you know, to this new playbook of strategies. Absolutely. So moving on, Susan, I wanted to bring in another piece of research that I've been reading about, and this is about bullying. Ooh, I didn't see that coming. Absolutely. And so this one is basically saying that even though we've moved to remote work 
bullying is on the rise. And so work, the Workplace Bullying Institute said that 30% of U.S. workers reported being bullied up from 19% in 2017. And to go from another study out of the U.K., a 2021 survey found that only half of British workers felt their organization took complaints about bullying or abusive behavior seriously. Oh, boy. The last point that they make in in that article is that 52% of those surveyed said that the bullying only stopped when the target, not the perpetrator, left the job or was fired. So I don't, we don't talk enough about workplace bullying. It's, a problem and I know Susan you you and I know because I joke that we're all just uh, hurt children in big bodies um, all all the time and so mm-hmm. that playground mentality about bullying sticks with us mm-hmm. and th- as leaders the issue is literally that last line is we're not taking it seriously and we're punishing the person who's getting bullied, not the bullier. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the bullying and the DEI kind of fall in similar aspects like inclusion, psychological safety, trust, equity. They're all along the same lines. And it, a lot of it starts with our feelings about ourselves and our beliefs about ourselves, as mm-hmm. well as you know, having the ability for folks to truly talk to their, either their manager or HR or the execs about like, hey, this person's bullying me. We need to do something about it. Uh What are your thoughts on those numbers? I'm just, I can't even believe it. I'm still like processing all of those stats that you just rhymed off. It's just, it's hard for me to imagine given everything that we just riffed on, right. That, that would, that would be the case. Like you, you would hope that people would be more aware than ever in regards to that type of situation and how corrosive that can be for a culture. You and I, you know, we've been in a lot of locker rooms and you know what happens in a locker room where there's a bully. I mean, there's a ripple effect to that folks like that. Absolutely is not only going to affect the quality of those people's experience, that their health, their everything else, but definitely their performance. How could that not show up on the ice? <laughs> right? We, we would say that's like having a cancer in the locker room. Yeah, it absolutely does show up, right? And the things that leaders need to be aware of is sometimes the bully is a leader or is an executive or is a boss, right? Mm -hmm. And they're bullying their employees. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is sometimes their star quote star performer Mm -hmm. is a bully. Hey, I'm better than you, you know, whatever. And Mm -hmm. some of it is sort of coached as a joke, but lands in the experience of the folks as bullying or as like you're attacking me. Mm-hmm. And these are, if you don't deal with that as a leader, you don't understand the impacts that's a, that's having on people. I mean, one is they're out the door, 
The other side of it is even if they stay, they're obviously their performance is going to suffer and their mental health is going to suffer. So it kind of all goes hand in hand for me. Uh It's obviously inappropriate and we don't, obviously we want to deal with it, but it is a shocking result that I just wanted to share with folks out there that just because we're in the workplace doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And I just think let's also add to that the fact that, you know, when we're talking about the stress response, we're talking about fight or flight, right? So I kind of, I get it because I know what goes on behind the gates of a bully. I understand that's like projected pain, right? You're projecting that pain onto somebody else because you have an unexamined experience, (laughs) lacking the internal self-awareness. But yeah, I think that obviously that's extremely extremely reckless and it's extremely irresponsible given the context of everything that we have described today. So let's close on a good news story. (laughs) I love it. So there was a new article out by Amy Edmondson and obviously she is one of the leaders in psychological safety research and she did some new research with 62 drug development companies at, or sorry, 62 teams at large pharmaceutical firms. And so what they were trying to measure was how does psychological safety, diversity, and team performance, how do all of those three factors fit together? And it's something that is pretty obvious and we've logically we've talked about it on this show before right is diversity because of the different ideas in the room increases performance Uh however if you don't have psychological safety you do not get those ideas Uh and so there is a strong correlation between teams with high diversity and high psychological safety, their performance is better. There's also an inverse correlation that says if you do not have high psychological safety, you actually, even if you have high diversity, your team performance is worse. So the line is actually negatively correlated. So if you if you have a if you have a high fear culture, just get a team of the same people. <laughs> ah, yeah. Well, this is what really makes the case in terms of why the awareness is so important, right? Because if you don't have the safety as the ground floor for everybody else, it it can just it can make all those other th- efforts that you're placing um, kind of fall apart and go to waste, right? And I think that's kind of goes against the grain of where we need our leaders to be. We need them to be in a the position of seeing just how game changer and beneficial things like diversity, equity, and inclusion can be for their teams, for their locker rooms. So I think that's why we're saying it all starts with awareness, right? We got to make sure if we're listening to this right now, that we're really priming our folks to turn those lights on full blast and take a really honest look at, right? The the psychological safety that's going on right now. 
especially as they return to work, because I feel like that is where being back in the office is going to be an advantage for these leaders, right? Is they're going to be able to get a, a much stronger and quicker read on that, right? They're going to be able to calibrate that because they're going to have all those people in the room and they're going to be able to see them interacting, right? And that, like we said, having all of that additional input, it can be overwhelming, but it obviously can also be advantageous from an awareness standpoint. Absolutely. And it's like, we always talk about it, like the foundation for me, I mean, obviously there's the foundation of self, but the foundation in team performance for me is always trust and psychological safety. And once we have those two things, that's what unlocks the power of diversity and inclusion and equity and all these things. And the research backs that up, but it just logically follows, mm -hmm. right? And so that's where I want just people to land here today is like, it starts with self-awareness. It starts with your foundation of self. Like, what are your mm -hmm. beliefs? How are you showing up? What are you aware of in terms of internally how you're feeling and then also your people out there? And then mm -hmm. unlocking all of that with psych safety and trust. And these things, you know, we can measure all of them. We can coach all of them. We have programs on all of them. But it's really like get out there and understand what's going on for your people because ultimately they're the ones who drive your business. And light strokes, if this is like something that you realize like you, you might be new to, right? Or this might feel kind of overwhelming because you realize, man, this is not something that I've really been prioritizing up until this point. Light strokes, all you got to do is really just lean in with that intentionality to want to know, to want to understand where your people are at. And just even that, right, creates that safety for your people. They're going to feel seen. They're going to feel cared for, you know? And I just think it's as we're talking about what our leaders can do, right, in support of making this transition successfully back to the office, I think that's where we want to really leave our folks and land our folks, right, is just turn those lights of self-awareness on, folks, be super-duper intentional, and get out there and start having conversations with your people in regards to, to how they feel about this transition, right? And you don't need to pretend like you got it all figured out and you know everything about how you're going to solve this problem. Awareness comes before intelligence. And you're going to be shocked in, uh, when you see the intelligence This naturally will, will reveal itself based on that awareness, right? And that, that awareness is what calibrates and then gathers the intel in regards to strategically where it is that you might need to really lean in, in regards to mental health, psych safety, diversity, equity, inclusion, and all of these things. I love it. It all starts with caring. Susan, obviously for folks out there, if they love the podcast, they should hit subscribe on their favorite podcast platform and share the Leadership Launchpad Project with any leaders in their networks and in their lives. And for all things leadership, psych safety, 
burnout prevention, speaking, all these things, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com to find everything there. Is there anything you want to leave the folks with today? I do. I actually want to call on our leaders. If this is something that's really hitting the mark in your awareness, okay? If this is something that you feel like, man, this is not the first time I've been listening to Miss Susan and Mr. Rob riff on these things. If you feel like, man, yeah, this is really where we're at right now. You know, people are coming back to the office and we got to rethink this now. And therefore we need to really empower ourselves with a little bit more education in terms of where we start, then I want to invite those leaders out there to jump on a call with us and and let us help you explore what the priorities may need to be. Let, Let us empower you, right, in terms of just the abundance of strategies and resources that that we have to offer you in support of making that transition successfully with your people. I love it. And for me, I want to leave everyone with this Audrey Hepburn quote, nothing is impossible. The word itself says I'm possible. I love it. Everyone, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone.